Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, and we take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. You can always join us live each Sunday morning at 8.30, 9.45, or 11 a.m. at our Rock Spring, Georgia campus, or at 11 a.m. at our Rossville, Georgia campus, which is just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Well, thank you to our worship team who did a fan tech team, worship team. They've been here since 6 o'clock this morning. Fantastic job, all of you. Hey, take your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 26. I started a sermon series today. I'm starting it today. Uh, it started at 8 o'clock this morning. It feels like a long time ago. Uh, called Cope, Dealing Effectively with Difficulty. Let me tell you why I want to talk about this today. God really led me here. Uh, I, I had something else I was going to first, and God just almost interrupted my heart and said, hey, stop and do this. I'm going to do it for two weeks because um, life is going to come at you hard, right? Can I get an amen right there? Life comes at you hard. And the thing about life coming at you hard is Christians are told to handle it differently than non-Christians. We're told to cope a different way than the world copes. So I'm going to preach on this today. I'm going to call it The Rock, and uh, it'll make sense when we read our Bible verses in, in just a moment. So just hang with me. If you have a hard time finding Isaiah, it's going to be on the screen, or uh, you look in the front of your Bible, it's kind of between Psalms and Matthew, uh, that, if that helps you any in the Bible. Uh, but Isaiah 26, and so here's what, here's what I was, here's why God really led my heart there. Let, let me show you a Bible verse. We're told to deal differently with Stress, anxiety, worry, fear, grief, all those things. And here's what Paul said. Now, Paul in 1 Thessalonians 14 was talking about death. And here's what had happened. I almost always read this uh, verse at a funeral when I do a funeral. But here's what Paul said. Paul said that, uh, here's what they asked Paul. Some people would ask Paul, Paul, there are people who have died, our, our loved ones, church members, friends who, who love Jesus, but they died before the rapture. And we're afraid only those people who are alive at the rapture will go to heaven. And so Paul wrote uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 answering that question and said, hey, don't you know the dead in Christ will rise first. But here's what Paul told them about grief. It, it, it really sets the tone for everything I'm going to say over these next two weeks. Here's what Paul said. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. That you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Now listen to what Paul said. Paul said, I'm just telling you up front that there's a difference between how a lost world grieves and how a saved world grieves. Here's what he was trying to say. Now, now, if death is our greatest enemy, and by the way, the Bible's clear, death is our greatest enemy. That's why Jesus had to come to defeat death. Death is our greatest enemy. So if Paul is trying to say this, that when we're facing our greatest enemy, death, you're supposed to react to death better and differently than those who don't know Jesus, if you're a Christian, then here's what I know, that everything short of death, you with me? We should cope differently than everybody else. If I, if I need to cope with death differently than the world copes with death, then I've got to cope with things of the world uh, short of death, heartache, stress, disappointment, fear, loss, anxiety, worry, I've got to cope differently than the rest of the world. As a matter of fact, how you cope is a witness to a lost and dying world. So that's why I want to preach on The Rock today. So let me dive into that a little bit. 2020, whoo, 2020, man, 2020. 
It's been 2020 for a century now, and it's been a year. And, and we've been dealing with a lot of crises in this year. And Dr. Petros Lavonis, who is the uh, chair of the Department of Psychiatry at Rutgers, New Jersey Medical School, said there are four different stages in response to a crisis. So when I talk about a crisis, keep in mind that could be a personal crisis in your life or it could be a national crisis. Think hurricane response, something like that, right? There are four different stages of dealing with a crisis in your life. Number one is a heroic phase. That's where there's a lot of action doing what needs to be done. Like we're just going to dive in and we're going to handle it uh, really, really well. Like we know how to deal with the crisis. Let's get to work. Let's fix this thing. Well, then that's the heroic phase. And number two, it goes into the honeymoon phase. The honeymoon phase is we're all working together. And so suddenly we feel like a community working together. And they call that the honeymoon phase. That, that doesn't mean a community of like local community. Uh, it could be that. And a lot of times it is. But it also mean like a community of believers. Like we're coming together to tackle a problem. Problem could be mine. Problem could be a hurricane. Problem could be a pandemic. But hey, we're heroes. We're doing what needs to be done. And number two, we're all doing it together and we feel great. But after you've been doing that for a while, the third phase is called disillusionment phase. Dr. Petro said that's when you get crisis fatigue. I'm going to come back to that one. And then number four is the reconstruction phase. That's when you're normally a lot of times by yourself building back what has been lost. But let me go back to this one because I think this is where we are today a little bit in our world. And this is where you get in life. It is the disillusionment phase. He calls it crisis fatigue. The disillusionment phase, that's when you are sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know what I'm saying? Like you are fed up with being fed up. You are sick of the crisis. You are sick of the worry. You are sick of the fear. You're just tired of being in crisis mode. And when you've got that crisis fatigue, you're, you, if you're not careful, your whole psyche begins to deteriorate a little bit. Your whole life will begin to deteriorate. You just get fed up with being fed up. You get sick and tired. And all of a sudden, you're just like, hey, I have had enough of a crisis in my life. And listen, normal life is that way. But 2020, I saw this graphic on 2020. It said 2020 is a unique leap year. It has 29 days in February, 300 days in March, Five years in April, a decade in May, and a century in June. Can I get an amen right there? That has been a good synopsis of 2020. Here's what I know. It's just not 2020. The fact is, even without the craziest of all years, we have crises in our lives all the time. It may not be a pandemic. It may not be a riot. It may not be a, a, an election that is sure to be the craziest election in the history of elections this year. But when these crises happen to your life, it's just as real as 2020. For example, it may be when you go to the doctor and the doctor says, I've got bad news. Does it take a pandemic it just takes your doctor, my doctor, giving me bad news. Maybe when you go to the job and they said, hey, we're having to cut some people. It may be a relationship that you never thought would go south has gone south. It may be a death. It may be a marriage that has crumbled and fallen apart right before you. It could be a family situation that is, is in terrible shape. And that list, I can't give you the whole list. That list is infinite. But all those things turn your world upside down and they wear you down with anxiety. They wear you down with stress. They wear you down with disillusionment. They wear you down with worry. It doesn't have to be the craziest of all crazy years in 2020 to turn your world upside down. It just has to be something in your life 
for you to get that, you, you, this is a terrible way to describe it, but you to get that knot of anxiety the size of a basketball that deposits itself in your own stomach. And you're, listen, I know, boy, this introduction is hard to hear, so bear with me. You're rarely going to have a year that bad things do not happen to you. Do you know that? You're rarely going to have a year that bad things do not happen to you. How many of you are familiar with the book of Job in the Bible? If you don't know your Bible well, it's the book of Job in the Old Testament. It's, it's actually Job, but it looks like Job. And so Job in the Old Testament. you got to know Job, man. Job was on top of the mountain. Everything was going well for Job. He's a godly man, loved Jesus. And, 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 and God let Satan tempt him uh, and take away all his stuff. And he took away all of his health. He took away all of his wealth. He took away all of his possessions. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Job lost everything but his wife. And by chapter 3, he'd wish the devil had taken her himself. She was not being helpful. So Job, in the midst of all that world turned upside down, wrote this. Job 14.1. Anyone born of a woman is short of days and full of trouble. I hate that Bible verse. But it's true. So let's do, let's do a poll. At home, Roxville, wherever you may be watching, here at Roxville, let's do a poll. Let's see who all this verse applies to. How many of you were born of a woman? Can I see your hand? Just raise it at home. Oh, man, that, that looks like most of us, best I could tell. It looks like most of us. So he, here's what Job said, and it's, it's just true. Man that's born of woman has sh short days, which means you're not going to live long, and by the way, going to be a whole lot of misery in those short days. Now, let me tell you, that, that is a bad look on life right there. I like, that's a bad look. You say, preacher, I know people live to be 100. I know. You know what people who live to be 100 say? Boy, that went by fast. Man that's born of woman is short of days and full of trouble. Short of days, full of trouble. Short of days, full of trouble. If that doesn't encourage you in the Lord Jesus, I don't know what will today. Job helped us understand Anxiety is coming to your life. Stress is coming to your life. Worry, fear is coming to your life. And Christians don't avoid it. I think sometimes, here's what we think in the Christian life. And if you don't know Jesus, I think sometimes you think this too. You think, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to get saved, and God's going to build a bubble around me, and nothing bad is ever going to happen to me ever again. It's just not true. Even for the Christian, short days full of trouble. Well, you say, what's the difference? The difference is this word, cope. Webster's Dictionary says it means deal effectively with something difficult. See, what's the difference between me, a Christian, and a non-Christian? What's the difference between me, a non-Christian, and a Christian? Here it is. It's how we cope with something because how we deal effectively with difficulty is a witness to a lost and dying world. How we as Christians grieve differently than the rest of the world is a witness to a lost and dying world. How we cope differently than the rest of the world is a witness to a lost and dying world. So how we cope with anxiety, how we cope with stress, how we cope with worry, how we cope with loss, how we cope with fear, how we cope with a pandemic separates Christianity from non-Christians, or it should. And that's where you have your strongest witness in your life. You want to see people come to faith in Christ? 
loved ones, family members, co-workers, friends, neighbors. You'll see those. It'll be how you deal differently with heartache and tragedy than they do. So how do we do it? Glad you asked. If you're watching at home, it'll be on the screen. It'll be on the screen wherever you are. But let's stand together and read God's Word. It's Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4. Here's what Isaiah said. You will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace. For it is trusting in you. Trust in the Lord forever. Because in the Lord, the Lord himself, get this, is an everlasting rock. That's where I gleaned my title. An everlasting rock. Thank you. You may be seated. The rock. I don't have time to tell you all the backstory of the book of Isaiah or even when we get to chapter 26. But know this, the children of Judah had been born in a foreign land and they had had reproach and scorn. They'd been stripped of property, wealth, and possessions and honor. They'd basically been prisoners and captives and slaves in this land. And yet through all of that tragedy, through all of that heartache, we land at chapter 26. And here's what Isaiah was saying, that their confidence in God had not been shaken. Though they had been through incredible difficulties, they still trusted in God, believed in God, that God could and would deliver them, and that God could give them peace in their heart and life, help them cope. How do we do that? Let me, let me show you what Isaiah said. Number one, I want to show you this. Number one, let's make this statement. Peace is possible. Look, look what he said in verse three. That, that I have the phrase up here. You, you'll keep his mind is perfect peace. Perfect peace. The word for perfect peace there is a very, you know the word, though you may not recognize it here. It's the Old Testament word shalom. It's used over 250 times in the Old Testament, in 213 verses. And it meant fulfillment. It meant satisfaction. It meant completeness. It meant wholeness. It meant peace and tranquility. Depending on how the, uh, the word ended, it could mean different things, but they all carried the same basic meaning. And then this passage, it means perfect peace, peace beyond understanding. Now I want to say this, when heartache comes to your life and when tragedy comes to your life, we all want that peace, right? We all want that inner peace. We all want that inner tranquility. We all want that inner fulfillment. We all want that inner harmony. We all want that inner wholeness. And even though, I get it, there are things that happen in my life, I'm no different than you, and things that happen in your life that make that inner peace seem unattainable. Here's what God says. God says, when your life is filled with storms, you can have peace. When your life is filled with problems, you can have peace. When your life is filled with failures and disappointments, peace is possible. When your life is filled with heartaches and bad news, peace is possible. When your life is filled with bad relationships and roadblocks and dead ends, peace is possible. I know today that you, wherever you are, you may be in a situation that is full of anxiety and thinking the anxiety will never end. But for the child of God, you can cope, and peace is possible. How? Here's the thing you need to know. Peace is not so much an external reflection of our circumstances as it is an internal reality of a relationship. Peace is not the external reflection of our circumstances, what's going on out there. 
Peace is an internal reality of our relationship. If we're going to be dependent on our external circumstances to bring us peace, then you know what? Your external circumstances will rarely, if ever, be worthy of peace. Not only that, can I tell you this? There are times in your life when everything is going your way. Every now and then you just hit that perfect spot. Everything's going your way. And you know what I know? Oftentimes, even in that situation, you still don't have peace on the inside. Look, just, just go look up what happens to the incredibly wealthy people in history and the miserable lives they live. Just do this. I did this this week. Don't do it now. Do it later on on your own time. This is my time. Do it later on. Uh, Google this, these three words, celebrities, depression, and anxiety celebrities depression anxiety i did it this week you know what you're going to discover you're going to discover that hollywood who are living in their multi-million dollar homes with tens of millions of dollars who seemingly have the whole world is filled and rife with depression and anxiety the people who are supposed to have everything together the people who laugh on television and make us laugh on television the vast overwhelming majority have no peace on the inside so here's what that tells me it's not a reflection of my circumstances i can't look out there for peace get this i have to look up there for peace peace doesn't come from out there peace comes from up there just because just when you think you have peace externally can i just be the bearer of bad news another storm is on the horizon. We just had Hurricane Isis. Somebody told me how to pronounce it, and I still can't do it. Isis. See, I need my hurricane's name Bob, Fred, Lucy, right? Like I don't. I'm just not good at this. Just ravage these coasts. And here, I got. I did a little research this week, and I didn't know it till I researched it. I should have been paying more attention. And, National Geographic and the Weather Channel have both said that 2020 is on course to be one of the most major hurricane seasons of all time. You know what I said? Of course it is. It's par for the course, right? Like, what is different? What is different? Sure it is. Can I tell you something about the hurricane? There's a thing in a hurricane you probably have heard called the eye of the hurricane. And there's this wall, it's, it's anywhere from 19 to 40 miles wide in the very center of the hurricane, depending on the size of the hurricane, 90, 40 miles. And when you're in the eye of the hurricane, you know what? It's blue skies over you, and it's no wind, no rain, no trouble. It looks like a beautiful summer day. Now imagine, if you will, before the invention of the Weather Channel and radar and all of that, because that's been the majority of the world. Can you imagine being on some, you know, little island out in the Atlantic, you're in the Bahamas or Bermuda or someplace like that, and you got your little houses out there, and there's no Weather Channel, there's nothing of this and all of a sudden this horrific this horrific wind and storm it's leveled houses it's torn down buildings it's ravaged your island you see trees laying down everywhere and suddenly it blows over and you come out and you say "Whoo, that was rough but i'm glad it's over and somebody from heaven probably said uh i'd go back inside if i were you why because it's not over you just happened to be in the eye of the storm. Because what they didn't know was in about an hour or so, it was going to come and sometimes even worse again. And I tell you that to say, sometimes we're a little, our lives are a little bit like a hurricane. Man, we come through a storm and trouble and tragedy, and all of a sudden it's over, and we're like, thank God, I love Jesus, thank you, Lord, for getting me out of that. And you know Gabriel's up in heaven like, ah, hold on. 
there's a backside to that storm as well. Why do you tell me that? Because that's the way life is. Remember, full of trouble. You say, preacher, I don't even worry about peace. I'm fine right now. You may be fine, but chances are you are in the eye of a hurricane. And what you don't know is more is probably coming. And so here's what I'm trying to tell you. If you're waiting on external things to bring peace in your life, know this, that when you get it, you are probably just in the eye of the storm. Why? Peace doesn't come from out there. Peace comes from up here. And some of you are here today, and this is why this is important. And you're thinking, if I can just get this one situation fixed, I'm fine. This one circumstance fixed, I'm fine. This one relationship taken care of, I'm fine. If I just get this one problem, this one heartache, this one, if I can just get that one thing solved, then I'll have peace. But I want to tell you, that's not where peace comes from. Peace doesn't come from getting something solved or fixed or put back together. Peace comes from the inside. You are looking in the wrong direction. And I'm here to tell you, peace is possible, but quit looking out there for peace. That's not where peace comes from. Where does it come from, preacher? Well, number two, here's what Isaiah said. You best get your mind right. Here's what he said. The Christian Standard Bible says this, a mind that is dependent on you. The King James Version said this, whose mind is stayed on thee. I love that. Whose mind is stayed on thee. What is the secret sauce or the secret ingredient of having inner peace. Here's what it is. Don't miss it. Keep your mind on God. Can I tell you this? Who and what you're dwelling on absolutely does matter. Now, let me just quickly break down two words because they're important. The word mind there is, doesn't mean your brain. It means your thoughts. And here's a very important word. It was, used, it was translated this way a lot of times, imaginations. Your thoughts and your imaginations. So, so your, whose thoughts and imaginations are stayed. Now, I love that Hebrew word stayed. It, the first definition of it means rested. I love that, rested. That your mind and imagination are resting on God. Your mind and imagination are staying on God. When you're in a troubling situation, you know what your mind does? Your mind does the same thing mine does. My mind, when I'm in a troubling situation, it muses and imagines and all sorts of anxiety and worry, right? Like that's what your mind does. When something bad happens to our lives, we immediately begin to imagine all these horrible things that can happen to us. And a matter of fact, psychology would tell us that there are specific kinds of irrational thoughts we have. For example, psychology tells us this, that when you get in bad trouble, you start focusing on the negative. It's called filtering. And here's what happens. You filter out the good and focus only on the bad. So here's what happens in your life. You think everything in your life is bad and everything happening to you is bad. That's never the case. That's never the case, especially, remember we just sang, Hannah just sang about the goodness of God. Remember, God is good to you. There's always goodness in your life, but when you're filtering, when you're in a bad situation, I'm in a bad situation, always sees the negative. We focus on the negative, but not only that, we do something called overgeneralizing. What is that? That is taking one example and saying it's true for everything. You say things like, I'll never be happy. Everything is going against me, and so we overgeneralize. Number three is all or nothing thinking. That is called black and white. It's like this. If I don't get this job, I'm going to lose everything. If I get this job, I'll have everything. Well, that, neither one of those are true. It's probably somewhere in the middle. But we have this all or nothing thinking that everything's either great or everything's either terrible. There's nothing in the middle. Number four, there's what they call catastrophic thinking, which means always assumes the worst will happen. Right? I have a pain in my side. It's going to be really bad. I know i got to go to the doctor. Something bad is wrong with you. Now, something bad could be wrong with you. Don't let me tell you not to go to the doctor. I'm just saying, you know, the time. And so what happens is all of us do this. Our imagination runs wild on our worry. 
And so here's what, here's, here's what Isaiah said. Let your imagination run wild with God. Because here's what we try to do. We try to fix our mind by not thinking about the bad in our life. And all that does is cause us to think about the bad more that's in our lives. God didn't say you'll have peace if you can learn to not think about all the heartache and tragedy and trouble that's in your life. God didn't say that. You know why? The minute you try not to think about all the heartache, trouble, and tragedy in your life, you know what you're going to think about? All the heartache, trouble, and tragedy in your life. I'll prove it to you. Everybody, everybody give me your attention right here. Online, rock, everybody, every campus, look right here. For just one minute, don't think about a zebra. You did it. You thought about it. I told you not to. You know why that didn't work? Because if I tell you not to think about something, you're always going to think about that thing. The key to peace is not a mind not thinking about your worries. It is a mind whose thoughts and imaginations are on God. Let me try it. This is the best illustration I think of, but in, in this verse is better than this illustration, but let me, let me see if I can help you with this. So, so since uh, May, May 4th, I've been on a diet. I've been doing that keto thing, no carbs. And, and, and during that time, I've not had one cheat bite in, in my mouth. I have nothing. That means I've not eaten any Doritos. Not, I've not eaten any Pringles. I've not eaten any hamburgers with the buns on them. I've eaten some bunless hamburgers. I've not eaten any pizza. Yesterday, we had pizza, and I ate the toppings off, the meat toppings off of pizza, and that's all I did, and, which is unusual for me. Usually, a diet for me lasts, you know, anywhere from 6 to 12 minutes, and so I, I'm usually not this good, and so I determined early on, look, i got to drop some weight. i got to get a little healthier. In the pandemic, I wasn't traveling during the pandemic. I thought, it's a great time to do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to man up and do it. And so I, I, I've done it. And so, um, not there, but I'm on my way. And so I've been more successful over three months, not one cheap bite at all. Usually, here's what I used to do. I used to have a good day on a diet and then want to celebrate the next day. And so that doesn't really help you lose weight either. And so I've, I've done it. And so here's what I've done. I determined early on, here's going to be my plan. I'm not going to think about what I can't eat. I'm only going to focus on what I can't eat, because on this keto diet, and I know a lot of you have done it, several people have said it to me, here's, here's what I do. I have all the meat and butter I want to eat. So yeah, I miss pancakes. I'm, yeah, I miss, um, I miss uh, you know, hamburgers with buns on them. Yeah, I miss pizza crust. Yeah, I miss all those things. But you know what? I get to eat all the butter I want to eat. So anytime, and butter makes me happy. So anytime I start thinking about Doritos, I just think about butter. And you know, you can put butter on any vegetable in the world and makes it taste better. And I spend my time not trying, listen, if I tried not to think about Doritos or, or something sweet, I'd wind up every night in the Krispy Kreme donut line at midnight, every night. Because when you try not to think about what you shouldn't have, all you think about is what you shouldn't have. So instead of what I've done is think about what I can have, and when I think about what I can have, that gets my mind off what I can't have. Now, that is a small illustration to tell you what's happening here in Isaiah 26 where God says this, your mind does matter. You want to cope with stress, heart, heartache, hurt in your life? Here's what you do. Don't try not to think about your heartache. Get your mind on God. Peace comes from a mind that is focused on God. So don't, don't try to quit thinking about your problems. Dive into God. Read His Word. Pray. Sing His praises. Be in church. Write out thanksgiving. Write out praises. Pray for other people. Can I tell you this? Hey, turn off Netflix. Get, all, get out of the television. Get out of your social media. And do things in your life that get your mind fixed on God because there's only one thought in your life that is greater than your problems and that thought is a God.
there's not another thing you can think about in your life that is bigger than your problems when you're going through anxiety, stress, fear, worry, heartache. Nothing's bigger than that except God. And God sent us an invitation. Come here, come here. Get your mind on me. Come on, get in my word. Come on, turn off that other junk. Get in my word. Get, get your mind on me. Don't Imagine God. Imagine the power of God. Imagine the peace of God. Imagine the comfort of God. Listen, and before you know it, your mind's on God, not on your problems. How do we find that inner peace? Number three, your faith is your fortress. Verses three and four blend together here, and I love how they do it. For it is trusting in you, trust in the Lord forever. Wow, that's beautiful. Trust in the Lord forever forever peace is possible it is you have to get your mind right first but can i tell you like everything else in the christian life your faith will be the deciding factor how do you find peace it's possible but it's a relationship you got to get your mind right but it boils down to this listen to this statement maybe the most important thing i say today you have to have faith that god has your best interests at heart and that no matter what happens he loves you and was doing the best thing for you. That God has your best interests at heart, and no matter what happens, he loves you and was doing the best thing for you. Faith doesn't mean you ignore the reality of the situation. It means that although I recognize the severity of the situation, I choose to trust God to rescue me. I choose to trust God to guide me. I choose to trust God to fix it. And if he doesn't do any of those things, I'm going to trust him to work out for my life the best he can because even if I cannot see or understand what he's doing, I trust that he loves me and has my best interests at heart. Close your Bibles and I'm finished. Some, 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 some things are hard to illustrate in the Christian life. Let me, let me try to illustrate this point. These last two have been kind of that way, but you, you remember if you're a parent, you remember some of you may be new parents, you've already experienced this, or some of us were kind of beyond that. And, and uh, you, you remember when you had to take your kids to the doctor when they were little? It happened with our kids all the time. They were kind of sickly when they were little. And uh, our, our very first kid, we were, we were kid parents too, and our first child, Savannah, came along. We loved her so much, and she was a little early, and so she, just first grandchild. Anyway, just, you know, you know everything's, you're scared. I wouldn't let anybody hold her. You, you know how we do back then, and you get two, and you don't care anymore. Just, you know, anybody can have them, but that first one. And, and um, I remember she being a couple months old, and we took her to the doctor, and she was really sick. She ran up in the hospital when she was little a couple times, and we took her to the doctor, and she was really sick, and so he determined he needed to give her a shot. Now, that little two-month-old Savannah had no idea what was going on. She was in a bad situation, and here's what she thought. She thought we were making a bad situation worse because she was sick, but now we're letting a strange man hold her down and give her a shot. But not, she didn't obviously know what shot meant. We were, we were letting him stick a painful needle into her body. But what she didn't know is that we were doing it for her good. And I didn't need her to understand what was happening. I just need a little baby to trust that we were doing it all for a good. So sit in mama's arms and let her hold you. And know this, I'm not letting anything happen to you that doesn't, is not for your good and is not filtered through my love for you. And I don't think a 
two-month-old baby can have that faith, but you get the idea. That's why faith is our fortress. Because our God, when we're going through bad situations, wraps us in his arms. He said, you're not going to understand this. Hey, it may be generations. I may be doing something generationally that what you're going through now may not take effect for 100 years. We don't know. I just need you to know I love you. And you can trust me. I'm doing the best thing for you. Let me, let me say this. That doesn't apply when you get yourself in a mess. Like, there are all kinds of Bible verses that if because of your sin, you're in deep water. Uh, the Bible says what you need is repentance, right? Like, God, there's Bible verses that basically say you got yourself in it. You're going to have to crawl your way out of that and turn and repent to God. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about situations that are not of your doing. For situations that are not of your doing, which oftentimes is the case. God gave us a Bible verse, and here it is. It's often misquoted and misunderstood, but there it is. Romans 8, 28. We know all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good of those who love God. Faith is your fortress. Paul told us that no matter the pain in your life that you're going through, that's undeserved, the heartache, the, I mean, the tragedy, whatever it may be, here's what we have to do. You want to have inner peace? Here's where inner peace comes from. It comes from me saying, God, I don't have any idea what you were doing in my life. It makes no sense in my life. But here's what I know. I know you love me and you have my best interests at heart. That's what faith, that's all faith is. I know you love me and I have, you have my best interests at heart. So I'm going to carry on with a joy and a smile on my face, and I'm going to cope differently than the rest of the world. Why? Because I don't, I don't understand what's happening. But I know you love me, and you have my best interests at heart. That's faith. And that's how you find that inner peace that Isaiah talks about. Know that peace is possible, but it's not from out here. You know you've got to get your mind right and get it focused on he's the only thought that's bigger than the thoughts of your worry. And you have to put your faith in him. When you do that, he becomes what he said in verse 4, the everlasting rock. The rock. He's called that over and over again in the Bible. The rock of our salvation. What are you going through today? There is peace for that, no matter how tragic it may seem. The only way to cope is Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. Would you stand with me? Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're watching online, please don't turn it off. Stay with me for three more minutes. Heads bowed, eyes closed. No matter where you are, if you're at home, just close your eyes. Let this be a solemn moment to the Lord. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, we have people every week who make the decision to follow Christ. Every week they make the decision to follow Christ. You can know today that Christ is in your life and that heaven is your home. And it's as simple as ABC. Here it is. Admit that you're a sinner and can't save yourself. We all have to admit that. I, mean, I can't be good enough to earn heaven. B, you've got to believe Christ died on the cross for your sin and rose again on the third day. We call that the gospel story. And C, you have to confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. A, B, C. You can be saved today. You say, I can get saved today. You can be saved right now in this moment. 
Salvation is not a process. You have to earn God's favor. Salvation is a moment where you put your faith and trust in Jesus, not yourself. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no matter where you are, Rossville, Rock Spring, online. If you want to be saved today. See, you don't have a coping mechanism without Christ in your life. He, he, the Spirit of God, is your coping mechanism. You don't have that without Christ in your life. You're going to an awful place when you die called hell without Christ in your life. Today, all that can be fixed. I'm going to lead you in prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you, but the thought of intent of your heart is to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior and turn from your sin. If you'd like to be saved, pray with me right now. Out loud or in your heart, pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. But I know that Christ died on the cross for my sin and rose again so I could be saved. So just now invite Christ into my life to forgive me of my sin, to save me, and to give me a home in heaven. And I trust Jesus and Jesus alone. Hey, look, right this way, up here on the screen, there's a, we want you to do this. There's some steps you need to take after you're saved. And if you just prayed, you are born again. We want to hear about it. And we want to send you some material that tells you the next thing to do in the Christian life. So with your online, Rossville, Rock Spring, just take out your phone sometime today and text, I did, to the number 97,000. I did, no spaces. We'll get some materials to you that tell you the next steps in the Christian life. You can take a screenshot of that. You can take a photo of that. We'll leave it up for a few moments and just, I did, to 97,000. You know, start a little conversation. We just want to get you some stuff that'll help you. Hey, um, we're going to dismiss, but would you bow your heads with me one more time? Christians across the room, across America at 11 o'clock, but online, wherever you may be, bow your heads. I want to ask you a question. Even at home, you can raise your hand. You're testifying before God, not me. How many of you would say, preacher, I have got an anxious, heartbreaking, troubled, worrisome, fearful situation going on in my life, and I really need to put my faith and trust in God and cope and have that inner peace. I want it so badly, preacher. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and hold it up just for a minute all across the room? Wow, all across the room. Hands everywhere. And I know online other places as well. So I want to pray with you. Father, one of the greatest things I've said in a long time is that peace is possible. Lord, our world is so anxious. Our world is full of so much stress. Our world is filled with anxiety and heartache and loss. The list goes on and on. But even not our world, our own worlds are filled with that. Lord, by testimony here in the room and around the world, there are people whose hearts and lives are just broken. And peace doesn't seem possible. But it is, and not just peace. Shalom, perfect peace is possible. So here's my prayer for me and for everyone who just is going through a difficult time. Lord, you're the only thought bigger than our worries. Help us to keep our hearts and minds and imaginations fixed and rested in you. And then, Lord, it comes down to faith. And I'm reminded of the person Jesus asked him in the New Testament, do you believe? And they said, yes, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, we're all there. Lord, I want to have faith in you, but help my lack of faith. But help us to know that in our heartbreaking situations, you love us. And you're looking out for our best interests. And help us to trust in that. No matter what happens, help us have that faith in Jesus. Thank you for a great church and a great Sunday. 
And may we move forward with the cause and banner of Christ, Lord, so that the gates of hell cannot prevail against what you're doing through your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. For more information about Peavine or to get in touch with us, please visit our website, peavine.org. Thanks for listening.